0: Hi, my name's Sam Finlay, and you're listening to the ACES podcast. In this episode, I have a conversation with ACES director, Professor Gordon Wallace, which chat about how and why his career began, moving from Belfast to Australia, his many research endeavors, the ACES journey, and much more, including the outro music by Gordon himself. So let's get to our chat. Welcome back to the ACES Podcast. We're here for episode 30 with Professor Gordon Wallace. Gordon, thanks for joining me. Oh, it's great to be here, Sam. And look, we saved the best for the last of the year. This is a, a Christmas special. Christmas special, wow. Really? I mean, we both should really be wearing um, Santa hats or, you know, should have some tinsel up, but yeah. uh, look, so let's, let's jump straight into it. As I usually do, we usually begin uh, at the, the the very start. So I guess, why science in, in the beginning? Uh
1: Sam, it really came down to, at high school, having a couple of uh, amazing teachers in science. And I I think this is quite common. Uh, If you get great science teachers, they can really trigger uh, your interest in what is an amazing field to work in. Uh, And so I had an amazing physics and uh, chemistry teacher, uh, two different teachers there, and also an amazing mathematics teacher uh, in years 11 and 12, uh, and they really sparked my, my interest in pursuing something in, in this area as a career.
0: Yeah, right. And I was reading, I was doing a little bit of uh, background research for this um, podcast. And on Wikipedia, uh, it apparently said that you are a... Uh a very active uh, football player to begin with back in the day. So was football your, your first love and then science? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, but we're talking fantasy
1: here, but, <laughs> as uh, we all do with, with most yeah. sports. Uh, but uh, I mean, I was determined when we were uh, living in Belfast that you know I was going to be the next uh, George Best, the next <laughs> best thing to come out of Belfast, uh, and uh, and so uh, unfortunately, uh, well maybe fortunately, my parents decided to immigrate to Australia. <laughs> and uh, so took that chance of stardom away from me. Uh, so so there was always the fallback back then in, in science, and I encountered these science teachers in Australia. But yeah, until that transition, yeah, I, I was determined uh, uh, that uh, football was going to be a career. Uh, and as you say, I'm sure many people uh, think that, and I'm sure it would never have eventuated,
0: but it was a great dream to have as a kid, particularly growing up in Belfast. <laughs> so you mentioned that move over from Belfast. How old were you when, when you moved over? Uh,
1: 14. Uh, so, you know, I, I really couldn't understand why our parents went, wanted to leave Belfast. You know, the, the fact that there were barricades and the odd bomb and things uh, going off around us uh, probably influenced their decision. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's you know, so even now it still seems weird, you know, getting on a boat uh, in Belfast, knowing that we were going to be on it for five to six weeks uh, to get to oh, this wow. place... Uh, on the other side of the world which (laughs) all I knew about it was it was littered with snakes and (laughs) crocodiles and deadly spiders and I'm thinking I'm not so sure our parents are actually looking after (laughs) us here you know. Uh,
0: Yeah so was it straight to Geelong? uh,
1: Yes so you know our first stop in Australia was in Perth, Fremantle. Mm -hmm. I remember that and then the boat uh, came around to Melbourne uh, and we drove down to Geelong Uh, and a lot of my Parents, well, particularly my mother's side of the family, had settled in Geelong uh, prior to that uh, and had it set up uh, in terms of they were all basically all bricklayers. Uh, And so bricklaying was was in the family. Uh, So my brother is now a bricklayer. Most of my cousins are bricklayers (laughs) in Geelong. And so, you know, literally, I think my mother's family has built Geelong.
0: (laughs) There you go. So... I guess if it wasn't uh, science, would have been bricklaying.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wasn't real good at bricklaying either. Uh, it, it was uh, mandatory uh, summer work in our family that uh, you had to work with Uncle Harry. He was the chief bricklayer. <laughs> uh, and, and that was tough work. Uh, that was tough work. I mean, I, I didn't mind it, uh, but it was never going to be for me carrying bricks up and down ladders or throwing bricks you know, up three metres up onto a platform, uh, mixing cement. Good fun for the summer, but it was always great to get back into the science class
0: afterwards. <laughs> so you know, b- back to the science, I guess you you decided to um, study at Deakin University. I believe that was the, your first um, first experience in um, undergrad, I guess, and that was in chemistry. Yes, it was actually a chemistry physics degree.
1: Uh, in fact, in high school, I, I really did prefer physics. I, I loved uh, physics, but it just turned out that I was, for some reason, had better at chemistry. Uh, and and so, but but I did okay in physics, and so I decided to do a joint degree, uh, physics and chemistry, at, at Deakin University, and I, and I really enjoyed that combination. And it set me up really well for the types of research that I ended up doing. I mean, I had no idea then, it was just something I liked doing, but it, it did set me up well. Yeah, and you went on to do your master's and PhD at Deakin as well? I did a PhD at Deakin, yes. Uh, I, I was fortunate uh, to run into a guy, uh, Alan Bond, uh, who just joined uh, Deakin as I was finishing my uh, my undergraduate degree, and that's not the infamous Alan Bond, this is uh, <laughs> Alan Bond, the great scientist, uh, and, he, and he was a he was appointed as a professor at Deakin at uh, age well, 31 or 32 or something. So, wow. so you know, he wasn't much older than us guys <laughs> who were working with him. So that made it great fun. Uh, And uh, I did a couple of summer jobs with with Alan uh, and really got excited about research. And I I was just fortunate to to do research uh, in that sort of medical area, even right from the start. Uh, You know, my first project with Alan was in uh, collaboration with a clinician scientist, uh, and it was around uh, determination of uh, a carcinogenic molecule, melanaldehyde, in, in cervical mucus caused by uh, copper IUDs, and you know, th- so it wasn't just the a little bit of technical stuff we were doing. It, there was this big picture stuff uh, right from the start. Very fortunate the, the land in a situation like that when I hadn't even really started doing research yet. You know?
0: Yeah, sounds like it. So after your PhD, you went back to Ireland, is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, that was a funny story. I mean, I, you know, we were off, often joking with each other as PhD students. In fact, you know, probably too much sometimes. Uh, we won't go into all those stories. But <laughs> So so I, I see this job advertised in Ireland uh, for a lecturer, and it, it already closed, but I thought, oh, well, I'll throw in an application. And these are the days when you sent letters, right? And uh, so I sent off a letter for this application. And next thing, I get a telegram back. And a telegram says, yes, uh, thanks for your late application. Can you come for an interview? You know, and I'm thinking the boys have stitched me up there. <laughs> the boys have definitely stitched me up this telegram thing because we'd done this before uh, in, in another situation. So anyhow, this guy rings me, and I'm still suspicious. You know, the guy with the Irish accent putting it on. And I said, oh, just go to the airport, and uh, there'll be a ticket there for you. You know, <laughs> to, to come over for the interview, you know, so, you know, the suspicion uh, obviously increased. But anyhow, I thought, well, like, i better go, because if this is fair income, you know, it's, if it's not, I'm going to look like an idiot. But if it is, I might get a job. Uh, so I went up, and there's the ticket. No worries. Get get on the aeroplane, fly over to, to Cork. They're there to meet me at the airport, uh, do the interview, do the talk. Uh, and that that was interesting. Off the plan, do this, do that. Back on the plan, you know, back uh, to Australia, and yeah, and I, I got the job offer. So it was all, all fair dinkum, all all above board, and, and and all a bit of a blitz, really.
0: I guess I'm showing my age here because I don't even know what a telegram is. <laughs>
1: yeah, man, a telegram—that's you know, when the old post office thing. I mean, this was an emergency communication, and only took twenty-four hours. <laughs> yeah. You know? Whereas uh, you know, it doesn't take twenty like twenty-four seconds these days. Yeah. But, but you knew if you got a telegram, something important was coming. Serious like, business. It, it was big business, and it was urgent. <laughs>
0: So you obviously got got the job. And, got the job.
1: Yeah, yeah. Got the job. Moved over to Cork. Beautiful place. Very interesting people in Cork. <laughs> very interesting. The weather is also very interesting. You can walk out on a sunny day and still come home wet. Uh, but uh, a very very, uh, great experience I would have to say. So how
0: long were you over there for?
1: Uh, Nearly three years so you know I I, I learned a lot from working with as I say some very Mm -hmm. very interesting
0: people. (laughs) And how was that transition from uh, you know PhD from studying and then into you know I guess um, teaching?
2: Yeah, it was a
1: pretty unusual transition for me because I just wasn't expecting it. You know, I expected to do the normal thing and, and go and do you know, a postdoctoral research position somewhere and travel around a little bit doing that. But this launched me straight into uh, being responsible for a new master's course, uh, and it was a taught master's course uh, in analytical chemistry. Uh, and so I was you know coordinating the course. I was dealing with people who were usually much older than me as students because mm-hmm. these were guys that were coming back to do yeah uh, this master's course. And so, yeah, again, I, I learned a lot in terms of you know how to set things up quickly and how to work with other people to make sure that it all all came together. And at the end, it, it was fun uh, because that master's course also had a a research project attached to it. So straight away, I was, Plunged into the teaching and research environment, uh, and it worked out okay.
0: Yeah, and then so back to um, Australia after that position, and, and to UOW where you are yeah. today, correct? Yeah, that's right. Again, it was another one of
1: those very interesting job appointments. <laughs> uh, you know, I saw the telegram. no no telegrams, but uh, this was a phone call this time. Uh,
0: very things serious. Things had
1: moved on. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, applied for the job. You know, consulted my colleagues back in Australia. You know this place, Wollongong, should I move back? Uh, most of them, it was a resounding, uh, no, don't do that. Uh, they ne- they'd never heard of Wollongong, half of them, and the half that did, uh, certainly didn't recommend coming to Wollongong. Um, but it, yeah, it was It was a phone call, and it was a phone call from the head of department at the time, uh, Leon Ken Maguire. And uh, Leon, for those who know him or knew him, uh, is an amazing enthusiast. Uh, and uh, you know his his vision uh, certainly captured me uh, and made it, it sound exciting, and it ended up it was exciting. But uh, you know, it's the only interview I've ever had uh, where the only uh, words I uttered were yes and no, uh, because usually Leon would ask the question and then also answer the question, and so I would just agree with him, yes or no. Uh, so it, it was a, an extraordinary interview. And so afterwards, I, I I hung up and I said, geez, I hope that bloke appoints himself. <laughs>
0: And it ended up he did. He appointed me. <laughs> so uh, from Geelong, I guess to Wollongong. How was that transition? I guess they're, they're quite similar, right?
1: Yeah, they they are. Of course, um, Wollongong has, has a great deficiency in that it it doesn't have the Geelong cats. Uh, so that's I know, knew they'd come up at some point. Well, that's a that's a serious uh, deficiency in, in the whole culture of the you know,
0: of the, the place that we live in. Uh, you didn't think about maybe switching to the, the swans, or I guess back in those days, swans weren't Sydney. Uh,
1: no, no, Sam, w- once you've uh, been brought up in Geelong, uh, there's some sort of gene therapy that happens <laughs> where, where you get implanted with these uh, cat's genes. <laughs> Uh, and it's impossible to, to reverse that uh, gene therapy. Even if you wanted to, just... Uh, it's, it's just, it doesn't bear considering. Uh, the, uh, the repercussions would be huge, uh, socially and personally, and so I, I've never entertained. So your whole
0: family Geelong Cats fans? The
1: whole family is Geelong Cats fans, and, and all of my family here now, even though I'm being brought up in Wollongong, are also... Uh, <laughs> Uh, strong Geelong supporters.
0: Uh, it's in it the blood. It's it, it's in the genes. It's in the genes. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you've been at UOW um, for you know a number of years, and you've had many different positions here. Uh, how has that experience been? You know, going from um, I guess you know first of all being in Belfast and UOW, and now all these many hats you've worn. Yeah, it's been quite
1: a journey. Uh, it's been a great journey. Uh, Things have changed a lot in the 30 odd years that uh, I've been here, obviously, Uh, not just at the university, but in the city. Uh, It's a very different place to live. It's it's been a great place to live, I have to say, and I keep telling my colleagues who recommend that I don't come back here, (laughs) that that is the case. Uh, Great place to bring up the kids. Uh, And yeah, as you say, there's been a real evolution of our activities over the years. Uh, in terms of establishing uh, a research group and then building that research activity uh, into a centre and an institute and a centre of excellence. Mm. Uh, That's been uh, an incredible, exciting and privileged uh, journey, I would have to say. I know there are many of uh, our colleagues around the country who never get afforded that opportunity. So uh, really appreciative of the opportunities that have been put in front of us, I think.
0: Yeah, and you know, you mentioned ACES there and obviously the ACES journey's been been a long one and, um, you know, we just had a bit of a celebration um, quite recently, a bit of a le- legacy celebration, we'll have an impact celebration as well. Uh, I guess, how, how's it been um, with, with more specifically the ACES journey and I guess uh, involving so many different people and so many different disciplines over the, the many years that ACES has been? So when we first applied, uh,
1: we were unsuccessful and... Uh, and the, but the ARC visited with us and liked the idea and wanted to keep the group together and and support us in some way. Uh, and they did that and, and, and we're very grateful for that because that really did help uh, build the whole nucleus that was required for, for ASIS. And so we then built on that to, to form the, the center of excellence. And, and as you say, it's been around for some time. Uh, there's been literally hundreds and hundreds of people we've had the, the privilege to work with uh, both students and other researchers and postdocs and collaborators uh, and, and I think that that legacy will live on for a long time those networks will live on for a long time and the great research that come out of them will, will live on.
0: Yeah so as director of ACES what has that um, role sort of involved over the years? just about everything uh, so uh,
1: but but the most important thing i think is is helping helping the team uh, to create a common vision uh, that we all wanted to pursue so you know to create a, a technological platform uh, which was second to none in the world uh, that would help us to address some big challenges in energy uh, and also in health uh, and we've been fortunate to be able to do that and uh, that's that's only because of the amazing team of people that we're willing to, to work together. Uh, and and that's, that's no mean feat uh, to get that number of people integrated and, and working together. And it all comes down to those individuals and their commitment uh, to do it.
0: Yeah, And in addition to ACES, you're also director of IPRI, Tricep, and Amp Materials Node. I'm wondering, how do you juggle those hats, those many hats?
1: Yeah, look, they're fairly well integrated. Uh, You know, most of of IPRI uh, is integrated under the ACEs umbrella. Um, uh, Tricep is integrated under the the AMF umbrella. Uh, And AMF and ACEs work hand in hand, Uh, you know. So it hasn't been like there's any things pulling us in different directions. Uh, uh, All of those entities, again, work with that common vision that we want to do research, and we want to do world-class research that can actually be utilized by people in addressing big global challenges mm. in, in energy and health. You know, and so if you've got that, then everything else sort of falls behind it. Uh, and, and of course, while I might be a, a figurehead in, in those entities, there's many, many people that, that work to make that successful uh, and, and work together to make it successful.
0: Yeah, and I guess speaking of that, translation is something obviously that has been a focus of your work. How has that been, and how's it been working with you know clinicians, um, for example? Yeah, uh, it, as
1: I say, right from that very first paper back in the the, the <laughs> 80s uh, or earlier, it might have been the late 70s. Uh, I was fortunate to get that experience that you can do research uh, and love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can do research that can be translated into meaningful things for other people and, and really, really love it. Uh, and and the, the buzz that comes out of seeing the knowledge that the team creates being utilised to, to by other people is, is really quite extraordinary, I think. But, but it's no simple journey, uh, you know, setting things in place to navigate that ideas, the industries or ideas, to community and user, uh, pathway uh, it is really, it's it, it's littered with a whole lot of obstacles, there's a lot of hurdles you got to jump over. Uh, the scientific ones were trained to jump, uh, the non-scientific ones were not traditionally trained to jump. Uh, so, you know, you do have to be able to work with those uh, who have a primary interest in commercialization or have an interest in regulation uh, or, or an interest in, um, the, you know, the, the, the ethical matters, for example, that might arise from your research. And you have to be able to, to work with and respect uh, their opinions uh, and, and really get all of that integrated. It's the only way you can navigate that translational pathway.
0: And this is probably a pretty difficult question to answer, but I'm wondering: is there one achievement that sticks out as, I guess, your your greatest achievement throughout your career? Uh, No, Uh,
1: I I think the because you get that question a lot. Yeah, I imagine. and, and, And so I think it it really is though, and this is an honest answer to that question. It's always the most recent. Yeah. Right. I mean, and so. Uh, if you ask me that now, I'd say the work that we've just completed with Mario Romero in the states around the use of the sutrode uh, to interrogate uh, nerves that couldn't be interrogated before to understand how the spleen works and the immune system works, and you think wow, that's amazing stuff. You know we're, we're talking about uh, using advances in materials. Uh, to interrogate biological processes that couldn't be interrogated before, which gives us an insight into the development of diseases and how to treat them using completely different ways, using electrical stimulation or electroceuticals to treat them. I mean, you know, you know wow, that, that's exciting. And, uh, you know, when that paper came out just a few weeks ago, that was exactly uh, my reaction, and it still is. Uh, but look, I, you know, we would expect to have another breakthrough like that in January, February, March next year. So the most exciting breakthroughs are going to change as, as, as we move through this this journey.
0: Yeah, and I guess we've spoken about it throughout, but there's so many different areas, whether it be you know um, chemistry or the science, or uh, you know, and three D printing is something else that you're you know heavily involved in. How do you, I guess, get your head around all these different areas because they're quite obviously complex and and yeah. are, you know lots lots involved.
1: Yeah, I, I think the, the the key is obviously you work with people who are really quite expert in those areas. I'm not expert in any of those areas. Uh, uh, but I work with individuals who are, just like we work with clinicians who are experts yeah. in translating that particular piece of technology into, into a clinical answer. Uh, and, and so work with experts, but, but also be patient. Uh, you, know, you, you don't learn even those languages overnight, <laughs> uh, and you will make mistakes. I've made lots of mistakes. Uh, I've been fortunate to work with people that are quite forgiving. Uh, and uh, you know have have been patient with me in order to build our collaborations and and to build the science and the technology and the
0: translational pathways that we can use together yeah interesting interesting so i guess now a little bit of you know life outside of work so i know you're a massive geelong cats fan and an avid musician is there anything else that you you like to do in your downtime
1: uh, yeah so the I mean the cats don't play every weekend of the year so you know there are a few You've got few, to few spare weekends so as you say I, I love playing the guitar and you know belting out a few tunes uh and uh, writing songs uh, I still do that uh, now and again uh, and and I love particularly doing that with with, with the family uh, our son Jordan plays guitar our our daughter Eileen is an amazing dancer. Uh, we get together every now and again and go to a recording studio and put down some of the songs you know, that, uh, that we've written. So, so that's, that's good fun. Uh, and other than that, uh, you know, I did play soccer for many, many years, and then I, I coached the, the junior team for 10 years. That, that was a great time as well. Uh, and now I just sort of run about and run up and down
0: hills and stuff like that, <laughs> trying to amuse myself to, you know, to think I'm still 35 or something, you know. <laughs> well, I guess that brings me into the, the next question. And, and I sort of know the answer to this because I have basically the same routine, but I, I ask everyone they get on if there's is, is there any specific morning routine or something they do each day that helps them approach their day of work. Yeah, yeah, Sam. Well, I really
1: look forward to running into you each morning. <laughs> uh, it, it's really quite difficult to sleep most nights. So. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, so, do I. <laughs> so, so so, that is the, the, the routine. And, and it is every morning, I must admit. I, I love bouncing out of bed in the morning, knowing that I'm going to do research, of course, helps that. Uh, bounce out of bed. I, I do like to get down to the beach and have a walk or a run or I've got a personal trainer that sort of. Punishes me beyond belief, which I, yeah, I run really, up those hills. I've I've seen. It uh, looks looks painful. I don't understand what he gets out of it, but and, <laughs> and the fact that I pay him to do it, it puzzles me. <laughs> it doesn't really well. add up. It puzzles me. Uh, but no, I love it. And of course, the Gong. What what a place to do that. You know, every Beautiful. day of the year, it's an amazing place. It it looks different every day of the year. It's it's a great place. Uh, to live and work. And as I said before, it has been a great place to live and work uh, and, and also enjoy
0: things with the family. And then that's what we continue to do. Yeah, and this is a question I also ask everyone and it's, it's obviously difficult to answer as well. But I guess if you weren't doing research for a living, what do you think you, you might be doing? Are you saying that football... Fell through? <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, but it might not have, so I mean, through. you know, if uh, my parents had have had the foresight to stay in Belfast uh, and had really, you know, had a closer look at the skills that I was exhibiting, <laughs> things might have turned out differently. And so I envisage by now I would have had a long and glorious career with Manchester United, uh, and I probably would have moved on to, to coaching, uh, you know, maybe Manchester United first, but maybe Juventus, something like that. <laughs> Uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, it would, it would have been quite different. And, uh, you know, I, I'd imagine if that wasn't making me enough money, you know, I probably would have started a band as well, uh, which I'm still looking at doing after retirement, actually. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, there's, there's always good career options that you should always be looking out for, I think.
0: Well, as we've talked about off air, we're, we're hoping to get you to do some sort of um, musical rendition for the maybe the intro of the podcast or the outro so look out for that if, you, if you're listening. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, it's, it's been great to, to write songs and uh, throughout the times. And, 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 and one of the other things a bit about this long journey, of course, that we haven't talked about today, Sam, I'm sure we're running out of time, but uh, is you, you actually lose people along the way mm. as well. And I mentioned uh, Leon before, uh, what an amazing influence he was in, in me coming to Wollongong, but also in helping to build what we did here in Wollongong. Mm. Uh, and there's been other uh, people that we've worked very closely with over the years that have helped our journey. Uh, and and at this time of year, of course, you, you reflect on that. I think uh, and think about
0: the amazing contribution that those people uh, have made as well. Well, look, you've, you've obviously had an amazing journey, and you know everyone that's been around you has obviously shared in in that journey as well. And um, it's it's been a pleasure to, to chat. But just lastly, I'm wondering if you could maybe offer some advice to, you know, maybe a current PhD student or someone potentially thinking about doing a PhD in a similar similar area. Yeah. Uh,
1: just remember that the people you look at now were not always like that. <laughs> they started as you were starting. Uh, I, I I I can still remember being incredibly nervous giving talks at and uh, presentations as part of my PhD and going to conferences for the first time. You know, you, you, you learn those skills. Uh, if you're doing a PhD and you're enjoying it, you obviously have the passion and you have the technical skills. The other skills will come uh, by uh, putting yourself, unfortunately, sometimes in what are uncomfortable situations. Uh, but you know, if you're comfortable all the time, it probably means you're, you're not pushing the boundaries. You're, you're not challenging other people to change their way of thinking, and that's what research is all about. Now, the, the repercussions of that, of course, are that you, you, in turn, feel uncomfortable, right? But I think you've got, a, you've got the passion, uh, you've got to learn the other skills and just remember that everybody else in the world has had to uh, learn those skills as well and and resilience uh, I mean you know once you've got that resilience and you've got that passion uh, w- what an incredible journey it can be
0: yeah well said well said. well that brings us to the end of the podcast thanks so much for for joining me it's been a pleasure to chat and I'm very much looking forward to this um Musical rendition, maybe because it's Christmas, it'll be Christmas uh, themed. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. We'll, well, we'll get a couple of wee bits, bits of wee tunes in there. That's right. <laughs> well, I love it. Well, Merry Christmas, and thanks for joining me. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Bye bye.
2: of closing eyes and heart held hands tell me hearts were broken see a smile on another face the crowd i hear you